Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Half a Nice Day Podcast with your favorite host, Janine. And Joshua. (laughs) (laughs) Without the favorite. (laughs) And today, we have a very, very special guest, just like every other episode. Every other guest. We say it for all, but we always mean it. Yeah, it's true. (laughs) We have a very, very, very special guest today. She is the founder of The Letters Project. She's half Emirati and half Syrian. We have Sarah Al-Agrubi. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> I it. got it right. Sarah Alagrubi, <laughs> welcome to the show. Sarah <laughs> I was just like looking at her for validation. Like, am I saying it's fine. it correct? However, you want to butcher it. Exactly. <laughs> I don't want to butcher it, but okay, we did well. So how 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 did I like? I just stumbled upon Sarah from another Sarah who was our guest like previously. If you guys remember, I don't know, twenty plus episodes ago, yeah. Sarah, our first guest, actually. Yeah, yeah, true. First physical guest because yes, then we had another guest. guest exactly um half half filipino half egyptian yeah so i stumbled upon an instagram reel that was super super funny we can get into the details later because uh-huh. i want to talk about all of that topic sure, later go ahead, go ahead. um and i then just scrolled through all of like your reels and i'm like she's gonna be perfect for the podcast that was yesterday so i messaged her i dm'd her and then she's like, I'm free. I'm like, okay, that was quick. <laughs> and Let's now she's here. Exactly. So thank you so much for being here. Thank, thank you so much for having really me. Really appreciate yeah. it. Exactly. Yeah. So let's just get into it. Like half Emirati, half Syrian. Mm. Who's who? Who's Emirati? Who's Syrian? So my mother's Syrian okay. from Damascus and my dad is Emirati from Sharjah. And you oh, grew okay. up in Sharjah? I grew up in Brussels. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Born here, born there. Born in Brussels. Okay. Lived there till I was about eight. Moved to Turkey. Lived there till I was about 14. Moved to Sharjah. Lived there until I was 16, 17. Moved back to Brussels. Finished high school. Came and studied here for my undergrad. Then moved to Italy for part of my undergrad. Then to Abu Dhabi. Then to London. And then now back here. Wow, okay. <laughs> you've been all over. Yeah, my dad's a diplomat, so okay. Oh, I feel like why? everyone's just like, why? Exactly, like, why do you move around? Does yeah. he have the diplomatic license plate on his car? No, well? no. I mean, like now he's retired, but okay, I mean, back okay. in the days, I'm sure he was rolling with a lot of the perks. Right, but, right, know. right. But remember, we were just talking about like how cool would it be to be a diplomat's son or daughter? No, because we were talking about this because we were stuck in an airport uh, queue for so long, and the diplomatic line was completely empty, and we we're like. Yeah one day <laughs> yeah and like how cool would that be like you guys have perks it's fun. a lot of perks it's a great it's yeah. a great yeah like all we could say is like alhamdulillah yeah on <laughs> all of the all, all of the perks but yeah growing up was really interesting it was uh um people who grew up in the diplomatic life they refer to themselves as diplomats because they come with so many privileges nice. and then half the time fail to acknowledge any of those privileges it's like a so, netflix show <laughs> like, uh, i mean for sure diplomats <laughs> <laughs> But uh, we definitely, um, we have really interesting lives and we keep in contact as well. So when oh, okay. we move around, we kind of know. And the conversations always start like sort of like, oh, so where's your dad posted? It's like, oh, he's in Italy. It's like, oh, mine's in like Singapore. You know? Oh my <laughs> gosh. It's very, it's very shishi. You know? One upping each other from basically, where you are. <laughs> basically. But um, it's good. It's good. Is it mostly like Emirati diplomats or like diplomats from all over? All over. So, oh, wow. Okay. Um, most of the schools that I went to, especially in like Brussels and in Turkey, were the schools that a lot of the diplomats went to. Um, okay. So um, we used to make friends and we had very similar upbringings and different um, experiences. Like mm-hmm. this idea of being like, 
you know, a Jane of all trades, but a master of none, always up and leaving and being super multicultural. And yeah. So, yeah, that was kind of the upbringing. And I think all of your reels reflect that because that was going to be my question. Like, how is it that, okay, sometimes Emiratis are stereotyped into a, like a specific, let's say someone who's not too broad-minded, someone who's like very like, this is what we believe in, but you are very independent, first of all. Second, it's like, when you talk about being an Emirati and, of course, Syrian, you talk about it in a way that you don't want it to be just these are Emiratis, like boxed yeah. in a specific way. It's like you, you, like you, you stray away from like the norm of what an Emirati woman should be. You talk about certain subjects which are like taboo, I guess, with, mm-hmm. with how a lot of Emiratis actually speak around each other. So that's, yeah. uh, I think that also shows in your upbringing as well. Would you say that's because of you being around and being exposed, exposed to different? Yeah. yeah, I definitely think that it was part, like, I'd like to say a lot of it, you know, I mean, is it nature or nurture? And I think mm-hmm. a lot of it is, I mean, mostly would say, you know, nature and then nurture does play a role because interestingly enough, I never really had to dissect my half Emirati identity more so than what I had to do it when I, when I was here in the UAE. It was mm-hmm. actually like, and I've said this before that, you know, growing up in Brussels, Brussels is, uh, Belgium in general is, is mm-hmm. one of the largest populations in Europe that have mixed race identities. So right. I grew up with a lot of people who were like half white, half black, half, you know. Mm-hmm. And so it was it was very, very common. So mm-hmm. being half Emirati, half something else, or being half Syrian, something else, it really didn't scratch the surface of anything new, unique. Yeah. And so it was only when I came here where I felt like my 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 entire structure of, of, of what it means to be an Emirati or what an Emirati archetype looks like was being dissected and dismantled and rearranged and then misrepresented and misguided and all of these things. And Mm. so I think as soon as I came back, I I told myself like, no, I'm just going to be 100% myself. Mm -hmm. Um, But interestingly enough, I feel like I have more in common with, with Emiratis that people would say are quite stereotypical just because they've had to fight their corner in, in terms of like how they self-identify and how mm. they navigate that self-identification. Because at right. the end of the day, we might be having different journeys to get to that sort of destination. Okay. But but the destination ultimately is that we are honing in on on realizing and living our actual like self, self-identification. self Self-identification, yeah. yeah. Did you have... Um hard time coming back from being in Europe and then going to Sharjah for I think it was high school you mentioned and fitting in like how how was that oh yeah it was it was it was really tough just also because the education system was vastly different and I came from schools generally speaking that were really immersed in the arts like I did you know drama and theater I did music four times a week I was in an orchestra I was doing you know like when I was doing, for example, art, we would be traveling to like Italy and France and the the UK to view all of these like museums. So there was a lot of privileges that came with the experience of being educated in a well-rounded, immersed environment. Yeah. And then when I came back here and with Sharjah, it was just like everything was so young and fresh and very new mm-hmm. yeah. that, you know, like it, it didn't come with the same privileges that I had before. And so you had to like readjust but considering mm. I grew up in a diplomatic sort of like household, mm. readjusting wasn't so difficult. Right. Mm-hmm. But the only thing that really kind of stuck was like, oh, this is this is like 
my peeps. Like this is where, like this is the lay of the land. These are yes. my fi- my fi- like my fellow countrywomen and right. men. So yeah, yeah, it was interesting. Did did you go to a school where it was just women all together? No. it was no, mixed. No, no, it was mixed. There was no way I was going to go to a school that was just going to be like yeah, uh, just, just, just women, because, women. Yeah, yeah. for any just, particular reason or yeah, it was just not. I'm not. I wasn't used to it, and I would okay. find it very bizarre if that was my like the way that I was going to sort of navigate. But interestingly enough, when I did my undergrad, there was only one like man or boy that was in the uh, the cohort that we were in, mm-hmm. not like grade. And then like everybody else was 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 female. So. Yeah. So you get a glimpse of that I got a, a little of bit. It. Yeah, for yeah. Sure. yeah. How was your how was your dad being an Emirati? Was he the typical Arab dad who's like strict and, you know, laid down the rules? It's, it's interesting. My, my dad, not so much just because I think, and I've said this before. So my dad, um, was one of the sort of like first kind of groups of, of Emiratis that were sent abroad for boarding school when they Mm -hmm. were, when they were younger. So uh, my dad actually spent a lot of his childhood abroad. I Mm. think it was like in Kuwait and Qatar and Egypt and different places. And, um, And so he kind of, I guess, in some, I mean, of course I can't speak for him, but I think in a way he kind of felt like a fish out of water. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so um, when he came back, it was like he he experienced an identity crisis of his own, Mm. but because he was getting older and there was a lot of expectations of like, you know, your children are your representation and and what you have, what they do is a reflection onto you. you. And so... I think for him, he became sort of like overly like Emirati, if that's kind of mm. was a way to describe it. Yeah. But I don't think it was in terms of like strictness because I don't think it worked because we were so, we were so independent. Yeah. Like all, all of my siblings are very, very independent. And yeah. so it, um, yeah, it was just. It, it wouldn't work. It wouldn't have Even worked. if he yeah, laid yeah, down yeah. the rules. And I think it's because of you growing up in a European setting as well. Because me growing up here in the UAE and being around a lot of like Arab culture, mm. I think my dad and Asian as well. Yeah. My dad and my mom still had that strictness and I felt compelled to follow because everyone else, my peers did. Like it was the standard for you to have like strict parents, especially yeah. when you're around Asian and Arab culture and then being in the UAE as Definitely. well. Especially back in the days, like you wouldn't hear uh, of things that, you know, this generation would talk about, like, you know, how strong they are in self-identification, how strong they are in voicing their opinions. Wasn't like that, like way back. No, like yeah. like yeah. For, for, for me personally, like when I was growing up, it was very hard to, to talk about. Like when I see my, my nieces and nephews mm-hmm. and they all talk about, oh, feminism and equal pay and all these kinds of things. I'm like, when I was your age, I was like. <laughs> trying to figure out which is the best pokemon out there you know so like so like growing up this younger generation right now and being in that certain environment when it comes to like who your peers are and yeah. who you grow up with mm. it really makes a very big difference so i think when you say like you've you've been to so many different countries as well and you've taken a little bit from everywhere yeah that also how you expand your mind because like growing up and i'm like i can't wait to move out and my mom would be like uh no not yet you want me to cry i'm like so it's you know it's like a little bit yeah. like when the parents are too strict as well you you stay in that small bubble as of now yeah but Definitely. eventually yeah it'll change but yeah but i also think it's interesting because i 
the same way that you said, like you get to cherry pick from all the cultures you grew up. I got to cherry pick aspects of Emirati identity that I really align myself with because there's things that, you know, Emirati culture brings to the table because I, I mean, I was raised in a mixed sort of background in, in, a, in a different environment, but a lot of the sort of, I guess, nuances of my culture are very Syrian. Mm. And so um, the things that I love about sort of like Emirati culture is like this kind of like very, you know, protective family unit, this idea of like hospitality and being very sort of connected to like the, the understanding and respect of ancestral lineage, mm-hmm. right. but then also being able to to decide how you want to sort of like undulate between what is considered practice of culture and whether mm. it's like, you know, religious practice or whatever the case may be. And I, and I think also the thing that I struggled with probably the most as somebody who wasn't raised here for the vast majority of my life was the fact that people thought that I was alluding to the fact that I was better than them because I had this kind of privileged upbringing when in actual fact it, 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 it wasn't, it wasn't in my control. I mm. can't, I can't change where I grew up or how yes. I grew up. Yeah. The only thing I can do is, is figure out like what to do with it. And, and I think that that's kind of where I've taken my position, which is something I still struggle with, with people today. Right. It's like, I, I can't have a conversation without it being pointed out, like the way you speak and mm. the verbose, like, you know, it, it, it almost feels like people think that it's a, like you're showing off or you're trying mm. to, to, to emulate something. But in actual fact, it's just, it's just, just yeah, yeah, it's just you. Yeah, yeah. And was there a different, well, flip side to that? Did you feel because you were half Emirati that other pure or full Emiratis would judge you Absolutely. for being half? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Like that was something that, remember how I said in the beginning that, you know, it was only when I moved back here that I really felt that my motives of being sort of like half Emirati were definitely dissected and misrepresented because when you're raised in an environment, especially in Europe, where like the notion of individualism is heavily practiced, like yeah. you are not a, re- a representation of like a collective consciousness. You mm. are your sole entity, you operate how you are. And if you happen to share a few like relatives, great for you. Mm-hmm. Right. But here it was like, no, no, no. Everything you do is a representation of the way your parents raised you and then your family name and then your tribe and then the tribe's tribe. And then it's just like, that it becomes so this whole massive, burden and the weight of the world on your shoulders and you're like i just want to live and eat ice cream like i'm not about that yeah um and so i felt that you know the way that i was i was othered a lot like this Mm. kind of like idea of othering was really part of it it was like you are not like us so you're one of them Mm. and that's that's kind of how it was for me growing up for sure like it was gate kept Oh, yeah. yeah. And Emirati, I, I think, I mean, this is just like a statement in itself. Emirati identity is one of the biggest, like, gatekeeping, like, uh, shticks that you could ever come across. Yeah. Because this idea of, like, dissecting what it means to be pure or this dissecting, or, like, what is Emirati identity, it, like, it changes and it ever evolves, like, so drastically between, like, you know, days, months, years that you mm. can't sit there and, and think, like, no, this is what it means to yeah. be that and also you're talking about things that are like cross-generational and then also you're talking about a country that was like you know the formation of the federation was like what 50 years ago yeah prior to that like there's just so much unpacking that needs to be done before someone can come to like a realization and go like actually you know there is no such thing as priority so yeah and as you said it's ever evolving i mean what it's been 50 years just 50 years Mm -hmm. and if you look at other countries other cultures it's 
been there for a while. So if you unpack it, you're going to unpack like generations and generations. Mm -hmm. But as you said, with Emirati culture, there were different tribes. So it's not just like one, this is the Emirati culture, mm -hmm. but it will be ever evolving. And it, it will be sort of mixed with other cultures as well. Yeah, because it's going to expand. One of the big things of UAE yeah. is like having such a diverse amount of nationalities oh, for sure, yeah. so sometimes when you think about it like you can't just like say this is this is our emirati culture but sure. but do you think of it as like a threat in the long run because like the the expat population in the uae is is growing while the emiratis are actually like being reduced to some extent yeah actually it's really interesting so a lot of the research that i found in terms because i'm obviously writing half emirati research and research is really difficult to come across right. especially emirati centric um data analysis and research that isn't from the less the, the isn't from the lens of like like a a western like white mm. man like it's it, mm. it's uh -huh. it's from like actually somebody who has lived breathe and understand the nuances of the culture yeah um it's few far in between and and what i found interestingly enough is even as early as like 2014 was probably when the census was 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 done properly and even then there were so many emiratis that were living abroad whether it was through the military or through like scholarships or whatever the case may be um so the suggestion of the population was based on the world bank and 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 how they and the un and all of these different mm. uh, institutions are kind of culled together and made this like guesstimation of what the percentage is. And it was like 9.8%, and then it was 11.48%. And then it just, it, it moved from 2014 until uh, now, 2022. And what was interesting is that there was no real way to see whether or not the Emirati population was increasing or decreasing. Right. It was kind of like stationary. Right. Um, and of course, I don't have access to you know the the authorities that have other statistics but from what is presented publicly mm. this is what you get and so what's interesting is that if you think about those who are marrying like foreigners mm. um you have this half emirati like uh like sample like let's say sample a sample a then marries a non-emirati you've diluted the blood and the lineage and then that child either doesn't have citizenship or doesn't have any sort of like attachment to um, the UAE outside of them just having this bloodline that mm -hmm. was that was there, and then that's kind of getting diluted. Mm. And also, the stigma associated with Emirati women marrying foreigners, so that reduces the amount of uh, ability for for women to to sort of spread their like reproductive uh, like ancestral line. Lineage, yeah. And so it kind of stops and ends at this like patriarchal structure. Mm -hmm. And so ultimately, I think that within the next couple of generations, the idea of nationality mm. will fade away and it will be highlighting just ethnicity. So before, like a couple of years ago, it was all about what's your nationality? Yeah. And now it's like, what is your ethnicity? Mm -hmm. And then even then you will start to unpack different strands right. in the next couple of years. Yeah. Um, because the conversations circulating Emirati identity were very different like five, ten years ago. Yes. As, it, how, as to how it is now. Yeah. I think what what's super interesting, though, is I stumbled upon one of your reels where you said there was just, I don't know, three to one ratio of women mm -hmm. to men mm -hmm. Emiratis. Yeah. And 
so with that, I guess it's just natural for more women Emiratis to actually marry or have children outside of the Emirati uh, lineage or culture. No, can you say that yeah. again? So it's there's for one female Emirati, there's three male Emiratis. It's the, it's it's around that. Yeah. Okay. So it's like I think the exact number is something like. Oh, I, I can't even for the life, like 68.4% male and then 30 something point something percent oh, female. Yeah. Okay. So if you were to think of it in terms of ratio, it'd be like one to one to two point yeah, something. Yeah. 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 Um, but what's interesting is that this is kind of across most of the GCC mm. that this ratio exists. Oh, okay. Um, and, okay. And it's interesting because it's like, and there is the patriarchal structure because basically if you think about it, if you are a family or a household where you have gotten married and you've had a child and your first child is a boy, mm. you're, you know, you're great. Yes. It's going to, the, the lineage is going to yes. continue. You did well. <laughs> yeah. If you have another boy, you're like, better. better yeah. Yes. Great. Yeah. Amazing. And then you might have like another child to see if you can get a girl. Yes. But what happens is when the women have girls, they don't stop until they have a boy. So um. the, the woman, the, the, the female lineage is kind of cut short, which is crazy because we have more female ancestors than we do male ancestors, if we really think about it. Mm-hmm. And I think that um, it's, just, it's just a means of survival. It's mm. in our like, ancestral DNA. Right. Yeah. But I think what's interesting now is that we start to see this shift. Like just recently, uh, the president announced that women Emiratis when they have their children, regardless if they're married to an Emirati or not, will still have the same benefits. Will have the same benefits. Mm-hmm. So it's so nice to see that even if it took some time, it seems like we're headed to the right direction. Definitely. Yeah. I think it's it's it has to, like things are naturally going to progress and change just because that's the way of the world. Like yeah. this is like we cannot like live in a vacuous container where the the only way to like reproduce Emirati identity is by way of like osmosis. Like there's mm. there's other ways in which we can understand Emirati identity, and I think it will definitely shift in the next like couple yes. of years. Yeah, sure. I mean we're still in the early stages, fifty years, so there's a lot more to go. Definitely, no, yeah. but there's like a lot of backlash, I guess. Or this is what from what I've actually observed, but like UAE is actually progressing far faster than other GCC countries. Like mm. now they're like more open to to. Like let's say in movies now in cinemas, they can show now nudity if you come into a, into a movie theater and you're over 18 years old, they won't censor it. There's a lot of stuff like oh, cohabitation is all right. Uh, alcohol is now easily accessible just to anyone. Do you think that's all right in your eyes? Or do you think like UAE in the long run will lose its essence of being like a, a traditional Arab Muslim country? So- it's interesting. I think... Um- I think when you were saying uh, the UAE is like progressing more than a lot of like countries in the GCC, I think UAE is progressing more than most countries in the world. Right. Mm. Okay. I think mm. that the UAE is one of those countries, and I've said this before, where like, you know, you you're in the UAE, you leave for a month, you come back, there's a different road, there's a different <laughs> That's building. So true. It's so transformative in nature, and it's so adaptable to change mm. that it's like we really have no idea where it's going or how it's going to evolve. But I think that what makes it interesting is the people that live here are so used to this idea of like transiency. Like you come in and you come out, you go back, you live far away and then you come back. Like there's this like constant need to reformulate, recenter, reprogram, 
uh, and readjust. Mm-hmm. It's almost like reacclimatizing to a different, a different way of existing in a different space. So that's on that subject in terms of the UAE's progression. Now, in terms of its adapting to other cultures, this is where I have a little bit of a bone to sort of grind mm-hmm. or an axe to grind. Is mm-hmm. that I think everything is great if it's not at the expense of the existing culture. Okay. Mm. Like you can do whatever you want. You want to bring in like the biggest places that are so beyond other people's cultures and identities. Mm. Sure. Have at it. But if it's at the expense of the other culture, then that's where it starts to become slightly problematic. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, So I don't think like having alcohol here is to cater to a vast percentage of the population that are coming from Western countries where alcohol is quite common. Um, So, I mean, it makes sense. And obviously it's about making money and appealing to a certain audience. So that's understandable. But when it starts to conflate what is acceptable and like in terms of like um, how Emirati identity or Arab identity or Muslim identity is being represented, that's when it teeters on the line of like, "Mm, okay, like this is, it's a little bit strange because then what difference would it make to be anywhere else in the world? Mm. The idea is that you gravitate to different cultures and spaces. And because I've lived in so many different places, the beauty and the joy is like immersing yourself and integrating yourself into another culture that exists outside of your own. That right. creates tolerance, understanding, um, like uh, diversity, and then like self-reflection mm. on a multiple on multiple different levels. Right. But if you're in a space where there's like this cocoon that's protecting the your ability to access other identities then that i think it becomes a problem and the where where i see this as a big issue is the fact that i did a a tiktok about how many sort of like expat or non like foreign people have actual emirati friends Mm. and a vast majority of them is like i've been in the uae for seven years i've never met an emirati Mm mm-hmm even that is insane even for me my first emirati friend was actually when i like maybe Three years ago, and I started having an Emirati friend. And how yeah. how long had you been in the UAE? Since Born then? and raised. See, that's thirty-one like, that years is old. Insane to me. That yeah. is insane that you like a part. And and to me, that's like a representation. There's a book that's written about this. Um, well, it's not about this specifically, but it's a book by Benedict Anderson. It's called Imagined Communities, and I talk about it quite often because a lot of the information is talks about how traditional nation states are being built. So mm-hmm. like countries that are formed into some a federation or a state. And um, how a lot of them go through this like idea of like annihilation of culture or erasure of culture because of Western influence, colonialism, neocolonialism, that that sort of like spiel. Yeah. But what I find really interesting is that like there are so many aspects to this kind of like unwritten checklist of Mm. like what constitutes to like cultural erasure. And like Mm. one of them is like being a minority in your inhabitants check right being like and then a lot of it and then another one is like a separation between the local community and the the, the foreign community yeah. if you want to call it that yeah and maybe one of the things because i was looking through the comments of that particular yeah. tiktok and i stumbled upon one of the comments and i think what this person was trying to portray is that it is sort of difficult because sometimes emiratis are put on this pedestal that you don't know how to actually approach them. And maybe for those who are quite new to the country, they would like to keep that boundary because they're like, do I approach an Emirati? Do I not? Like, I feel not too 
how do I say it, not too confident to actually speak to an Emirati because they're quite scared if if I'm being no, for, honest. For me, like for oh, like for me. Sorry, let me just record that again. No, it was recording. Oh, okay. okay, then say for me. Okay, no, so for me, growing up, I was not just scared of Emiratis, but in Arabs, of Arabs in general. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I was surrounded by, like, Filipino friends, mostly, and Indian friends who were, like, quite timid. And when we see an Arab, you know, and it's, like, talks very loudly and, like, aggressive in their own way, which is not, like, not, not necessarily towards me. That's when I'm, like, crap, I'm not, I'm definitely not going to talk to this guy and stuff. <laughs> so I think it was just for me in general, just me being scared of But aggressive Arabs. In, in what sense? No, like, in the way they speak. Like, when I, when I went to meet her father for the first time, uh, they went into this Arabic conversation and for me I'm like they're fighting like some like I felt like they were gonna start throwing stuff and everything but then I'm like you why are you and your dad fighting mm-hmm. and like oh no we were just having a normal conversation but, yeah. so I think it's just the way they carry themselves you know like chest out shoulders broad and everything I'm just like mm. it's the cultural differences of how we present ourselves because being half Arab and half southeast asian i see the stark difference like from my filipino side we're very timid we're very shy we're very like exactly stick to your place but then from my lebanese side there is this sense of like speak speak up you know mm-hmm. be confident so seeing that stark difference i see where you're coming from where uh-huh. you feel a little bit intimidated to actually you know speak to an emirati or someone from the gcc or arabs in general yeah I think, uh, you know, and that's valid. Yeah. Uh, th- those points are very valid. And I think that, you know, everyone has their own experience with, you know, Emiratis. But what I found really interesting about the comments is that a lot of them were even saying that they weren't friends with Emiratis that they even work with on like a daily basis. That mm. to me was like where I saw the real shift that there's like, oh, there's a, there's a, there's like an active conscious decision to Tonight. have this kind of separation. Right. Um, but I also think it's very it's very different because for me, it's like whenever, and I, and I found this just like, like it just, it just kind of presented itself to me, which was, um, I found that like, I was like, I ended up being in a lot of cases, not always, but Mm. like the token, like Emirati friend or the token, like Brown, Brown Mm -hmm. girl. Mm -hmm. And like, I, in my mind, I was like, this is really strange. (laughs) Like, but, but it makes sense because like my upbringing was very much centered around this idea of like, openness and like you know like uh, like speaking until your heart's content and not having any reservation and don't succumb like never succumbing to like like oppressive structures that's like never in my sort of like rule book right and so this idea of like you know oh let's go and have this conversation with this person it's like no no no, no, we need to like follow the protocol we need to i was like um no No. like that's not gonna happen and i think a lot of it has to do that in in that sense it has to do with nature not Mm. so much nurture Mm. but then going back to what you were saying about your like your upbringing whether it's like southeast asian or um like west west asia is that it was very similar and the difference between like khaliji culture and like love on time culture Mm. it's it's very very different and i think that people keep forgetting that you know like yes, as an uh, as a half Emirati, half Syrian, I'm fully Arab, but 
like Syrians and Emirates are very, very different. And like, very, very different. And they, you know, like Syria is like very open and very mm. transparent and everyone hangs out with everyone. And like men and women are very integrated into each other mm-hmm, and women exactly. speak their mind and women like run the show. Yes. Like that is it. Yes. And it's mm. very much in Lebanese culture as yes. well. Like, and, and in Emirati, it's like, it's women occupy a lot of the private spaces rather than the public sphere. And uh, in Syria, it's like, no, no, women dominate the public sphere very much so. Mm. Yeah, because you don't really see, as you said, now I'm just picturing, let's say in a cafe, you will see tables of women Emiratis and tables of men Emiratis. Mm -hmm. You don't see a mix of, not generally, you don't really see a mix of both. And also, if you look at it more from an outside perspective, you don't really see, let's say, someone who's wearing um, a full, like, hijab and the full what is it called the black um abaya, abaya yeah. with someone who's wearing foreign or western clothes all together like i don't see that in common and the same for men like a full um geared emirati wouldn't really be hanging out per se with other foreign um it's not common to me yeah, to yeah. you, I think, may, perhaps, but yeah. it's actually, it's a lot more common than you think. It's just mm. not in the spaces that you would expect them to occupy. Like, I don't think you see a lot of those t- sort of like, I mean, if you want to call them atypical, I'm wrong. I, like, yeah. I don't I don't think so. Yeah. Um, is that like, they're in like random, like, sort of, you know, underground, like cafes that are very like, like hipster spaces. Mm-hmm. They're not in like your typical like cafes or restaurants that you would expect to see on like Jumeirah Beach Road. Like they're very, yeah. very, um, right. very sort of um, niche spaces. Mm. Very particular. Right. Segway into Jumeirah Beach Road. <laughs> <laughs> I saw your face. You were like, I am ready yeah. to go into it. <laughs> I'm all warmed up. Now I want to hear, yeah, what is this take about Jumeirah Beach? And is it like a, like a mating spot, not a mating spot, but like <laughs> well, a yeah, pretty much. <laughs> like a mating call is when they rev their engine. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I try to avoid Jumeirah Beach Road as much as possible now because, yeah. uh, mostly because of like the cars and the way people drive and the speed limit and everything. But I've heard, like personally, I've heard stories of like this is apparently like a pattern, and I I don't know how, what, how much trouble I'm going to get in saying this, but like okay, you're driving on the road. There's like a G wagon. And it's like window is one inch down. I don't yeah. know. Is that is that really a thing? It's a thing. So it's yeah. like if my window is one inch down, that means what is this? I'm I going don't know to. This. I I forgot the whole story, but apparently the window being a little bit down is a sign for something which I can't even remember. Oh, about. I don't know till that degree. Wow. Maybe that's, like, maybe that's something you know that I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But no, it's just like Jamir Beach Road. Jamir Beach Road was like the like the dating cesspool stomping ground right. for all like people that were like interested in like adapting to like you know exciting like to, to me it almost seemed like a sort of like a like a competition or like as you said like a mating ritual where it's just like i'm gonna <laughs> dance in front of you with my like amazing car and then i'm gonna see if you're like responsive and and sometimes the crazy thing about it is that it happens so often, especially on the weekends, uh-huh. where there's like the roars of the cars and then you see these <laughs> cars light up and it's like, bam, bam, bam. But when you're just there trying to get to Spinney's and like run an errand, you're like, what is going on? And you're driving around and everyone's like, rare, rare. Yeah. And you're like, I just want to listen to music. So you're like, do I beat them or do I join them? Yeah. So you roll down all of your windows and you're like, I'm playing the music. So sometimes just to like, like, 
mess with their like routine mm. i'll like roll down my windows and play like some like crazy heavy metal or like some like mozart or vivaldi yeah, yeah, yeah. just to mess up with their like <laughs> r&b like gangster rapper like kind of neo Eminem, like, it's just like and it's always like and then the cars that have like hydraulics and like bounce oh across my gosh. and you're just like what are you doing <laughs> and the thing is is that what i find so fascinating about this whole like jamira beach like rite of passage <laughs> is that people like like men who are often the, the 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 aggressors in this situation are like genuinely feel like it works like they're like yeah like the more that I roll down my window and the more that I turn it on and make the music, people are gonna listen to me. And you're like, that's not how it goes. But um, and if I make that face of looking like a macho man, you know, like yeah, it's just it's really seedy, and it's just like and and to me, I'm just like this is toxic masculinity at its finest, you know. But um, it's really interesting to to be sort of not even on the receiving end, but like witnessing this as like a 30 plus person. Like when you're like 20, you're like, this is nice and exciting. Yeah. And now you're like, okay, actually like the music is too loud. It hurts my ears. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? It's a little too annoying. And but it I, makes you think like, does that actually work? Like, does it, it does. I, I've actually heard stories of it actually working. Like okay. I've heard people say like, oh yeah, I met my, my uh, husband or my boyfriend on Jamara Beach Road when we were driving. He just put his window down, started talking to me. Look, like, honestly, I think it, it, it's very circumstantial. I think it's like one yeah, of those situations like a, where like, if you come from like a very conservative family where like, yeah. the only thing you can do is like ride around in cars and like yeah. throw a number <laughs> and hope that it will stick, then yeah, it's yes, gonna work. Yes, yes. But I think the way in which like social media is moving, like I don't think you need Jamiro mm. Beach Road to like catch a person true. and like have a conversation. Yeah. I don't think it's gonna happen. Yeah, so so, so what I remember now actually from the window story, if your window is this much and if it's um you know there's this infinity car which looks like a cockroach. So it's a, like a four wheel hybrid, but apparently a lot of Emirati women drive that. Okay. And if your window is like if the in the Emirati woman's car, if the car is like the window is this much, that mm-hmm. means you have to throw in your paper with your phone number into it. Because I was in my friend's car once and he has that exact same car which a lot of female Emiratis drive, but he's a guy. And a lot of cars were actually just like trying to stop close to it, put down the windows and see who's inside. So that's... Waiting for their number to be thrown in. Yeah, thrown in. So I think, yeah, if I'm remembering the story correctly, that's exactly what happened. Because I could remember like we were just driving on Jamara Beach uh, on a weekend and a lot of cars like G-Wagons, all big cars like Range Rovers were all like trying to get very close to the, uh this car of ours yeah i can't remember what model it is but i'll definitely put a picture when i when i when edit you remember this video what it is. Yeah. well speaking of khaliji men what are what is your take on them because i did <laughs> see a tiktok <laughs> specifically so talking about khaliji men and i'm like let's talk this about this this is so yeah. funny because like it's it's just so funny that you would ask about it as well <laughs> because i find like and i said this like on a, like a live stream that i did that every single video that I've done, which is like cr- like critical analysis and research on a very specific like socio-anthropological like dissection of a caricature, a character trait, an attribute, a persona, an archetype, whatever you want to call it. If it's about women, women are just like, yeah, cool, great, fantastic, we move on. 
the second I do it about men, it's like all of the sensitive men come out of the woodworks and they are just like so butthurt oh, about gosh. what I've done. Being like, this is not a representation of who we are. Right. Egos like, are hurt. Yeah. And I'm just like, hold on. With this whole like male fragility situation, I'm not here for it because it puts it puts people on like it gets their back up because they're they're not allowed to express themselves mm. in, and have like a wide range of opinions yeah. about something that exists like if, yeah. if you if you don't agree with it that's perfectly fine mm. but you your disagreement does not have to trump my my ability to communicate and mm. also you disagreeing doesn't doesn't invalidate my Opinion. opinion yeah and i think that that's like that's why i was like you know cancel culture pieces like piece of culture i'm so over it but but going back to what you were saying in terms of like khaliji men so what i found is that there was a lot of studies and research done on men specifically and mm. how they described it as like western men versus eastern men and then they would talk about rich eastern men so i'm just like okay rich eastern men like we were thinking yeah. like jesus you know yeah and um and I think that what, I, what I've come to find is that um, a, a researcher, uh, Vincent Harinam, who's, uh, I believe he's like Indian, of Indian origin. And he does a lot of research on the fact that like men within the sexual marketplace and their dating um, framework is that he coined this term called um, the dark gentleman, hmm. which is kind of like this triad of like a man who has certain traits of like the main kind of like like um topics of like psychopathy so like sociopathy narcissism like he's got like this very dark persona right. that is riddled with mystery shrouded in mystery mm -hmm. shrouded in um ambiguity giving you just like crumbs the bare minimum the mm. passive reciprocation and then like withholds all emotional accountability and like relinquishes any kind of like ownership over uh like uh like a decision and like mm. puts it on you and twists the narrative and gaslights and does all of these different things right with the sort of allotted bonus of being financially stable uh stable with like a like a, a like a family sort of like like from a good family mm. uh, uh like attractive physically attractive physically fit right um and so all of these things coming together with this dark gentleman is that these are the sort of qualities that women tend to go for because especially women in this region, because they have been raised through like social programming, systemic like pattern of behavior, mm -hmm. that this is the type of man that they should go for. Right. Because yeah. it, either they see it molded in their parents, they've right. seen it in their environment, certain patriarchal structures invite and encourage this type of like Correct. experience. Yeah. And so when I talk about Khaliji men in general, it is of a generalized understanding of the dark gentleman. Mm -hmm. because the dark dark gentleman does exist here and why right. because with this idea of transactional relationships how common it, it is it is crazy how common it is right so when people turn around and be like this is not every man i'm like i'm not saying exactly exactly it's every man yeah i'm saying it's like a general generalized yeah. yeah and that that touches upon one of the again tiktoks that you mentioned well i think someone asked about being a foreign woman and being in a relationship with a Khaliji man or an Emirati, why is it that it's taking so long for this certain Emirati or GCC or Khaliji man mm -hmm. to propose to me or to commit? Yeah. And as you said, it's because of this, I would say, fluidity and them putting the 
understanding of how to move forward with a decision or relationship on the woman's yeah. upbringing yeah. and not really putting any decision to themselves. Absolutely. And then when it comes time, as you mentioned, because I don't know, they're 30 plus or they get this pressure from the family that, oh, you have to marry. Get, yeah. Then they sort of like just drop the ball and be like, okay, now I have to marry a Khaliji woman or someone who will be accepted by my family. And that particular foreigner or mm-hmm. that foreign woman would mm-hmm. just be like, what happened in the last five, six exactly. years? And what's interesting about that is that, you know, once again, people throw in the sort of like, they, they, there's two forms of like invalidation of that specific narrative. The first mm. one is like, not all. Yes. Not all Emiratis are, not all Khaliji men. It's like, not all. Okay, next one. The next one is the whataboutism. Mm. But what about these people? But what about that? Like, it's like, no, the videos or the, th- the content is about a very specific, very nuanced experience. Yeah. And the, what I was referring to was specifically women who have been in these long-term relationships and nothing has happened. Mm. There are some that, hey, they get married or they, they're in a relationship, one, two years, three years tops, they get married, they have kids, they live a great, fantastic life. Good right. for them. Um, but this is about the women who are like, yo, I've been in a relationship for like six, seven years, never met the family, never met the siblings. Mm. I'm a secret. Mm. Um, never been in public with him. Never been in yeah. public with him. Um, why are we ever, never going to get married? It's like, because he does not want to marry you. Yeah. It's as simple as that. Yeah. And and I was talking to a friend about this recently. Um, is that when I was doing the video about Khaliji men, this idea of like breeding in simps and breeding out warriors. Mm. So like a warrior archetype is, and I've been using this word archetype like recently because <laughs> we are talking about different characters and personas. A warrior archetype is somebody who believes in in loyalty Mm. in their word in conquest in control and the assertiveness and perseverance to get something to have a goal to achieve Mm -hmm. and so the loyalty and the conquest come from like the partner that you have this is like a man sort of like basic like what it means to be a man Mm. and then the idea to have a goal and to have and to have the person the perseverance, the foresight and the drive and the like inertia to want to get to that right, goal. Right, right. It can be like, I need to make more money. I need to have a stable house. I need to have like, a, like, and then that's when I want to settle down and have children. Right. And this is not an opinion. <coughs> this is based on like years and years and years of research that this is where it comes down to. Now, when you're talking about Khaliji men, in general, mm. I have to disclaim yes. this, <laughs> is that they are raised with a very cushy life. Mm. Where their need to like excel, persevere, um, go get, be assertive is not necessarily um, dismissed, but it's not necessarily encouraged mm-hmm. because they have the foundation of privilege, of it's there. Stru- yeah. structures, of families that are like coddling in the family, financial like um, uh, stability. Uh, stabi- yeah. stability. So continue listening to. Um, Right. So getting itchy. But carry on, please. I'll sure. <laughs> um, uh, so, uh, yeah, so they have that, like, sort of financial stability. So they un- they don't have this, like, warrior-like mentality, which is like, right. I have to survive. Yeah. I have to provide. Mm. I have to build a life for myself that I know in a drop of a hat, if something happens, like, I can pick up the pieces, I can fail, right. and then I can get better. Yeah. And that's not in, like... Saudi, Khaliji, Emirati, whatever culture, because it's like, I've had that protection. Yeah. And then I've had like 
either it's like internalized misogyny or whatever the case may be to help cushion the fall. So right. like no man will have a fall from grace and, um, and then not be able to build themselves back up, which is why, interestingly enough, which I made that relationship to, is why gaming is so big here. Mm. Because gaming is like, I don't have, I've ne- I never have rejection. I still release the endorphins of succeeding, having a goal, having an aim, and not having to deal with any of the consequences of my action because right. I'm in control of this world. Yeah. And so, and that's- this not real world. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so like, that's not a coinkadink. Yeah. That's not a coincidence that that happened. Right. And so I think that- um, it's like an escape, I guess, for them. Definitely. Yeah. And then so with, when women want to, for example, have relationships with Khaliji men, yeah. a lot of these women kind of like wake up one morning and they're like, I don't want to have a person that doesn't have goals and ambitions and assertiveness and, and being able to dominate, excuse me, dominate um, the, the like life and succeed in it. Yeah. And so that's why a lot of people are like turning away from the idea of marrying like whether it's like a Khaliji man and mm. like and turning towards someone who actually was raised in that environment and that's something because I'll do a video on this soon about like foreign uh, um, Emirati women marrying foreign men because one of the main things that they said was you know I love the fact that like I'm in a relationship with somebody whether I'm engaged or married or whatever, that like knows the value of like money and like knows the value of like putting like this roof over our head, this food on the table and works hard and has earned me. Yeah. Not as an expectation. Yeah. And, um, and that's something that I think is why they're kind of veering towards that. Yeah. Again, as you said, not all Khaliji men, but it comes with being Khaliji comes with the privilege of actually having a family who can provide. So regardless if you had, you know, a really amazing career or not, you're well provided for, not just by your family, but by the government as well. So maybe there's that, as you said, lack of drive to continuously push, because even if I don't, I still have somewhere to fall. Absolutely. Yeah. And when you have this idea, once again, like breeding in Sims and breeding out warriors is that the simps will like or like simping will just be so com- it will be such commonplace and it is to a certain degree because why is it so common that we have these dynamics where people are in relationships with people that they actually genuinely care about and mm. then five minutes later they're like uh, i found out on social media that my boyfriend of three years is engaged and going to be married to his cousin it's like oh yeah. And this happens so often, yeah. mm. whether it's foreign women, whether it's Khaliji women, whoever it is. Yeah. Um, it's because they don't have a backbone or a spine to be like, actually, I'm going to make a decision for myself. Mm. And I'm not like waddled in this in this fear of like my cushion, my protection. Yeah. And, um, and so you go back to this idea of what makes a man. Like, and one of those things, as I said, like, you know, conviction, wanting to go th- to persevere, to have a goal. One of them is courage. Mm. This idea of like actually standing for what you believe in yeah. and, and going against all odds. That's what makes a man because you have to make decisions. Yeah. yeah. When you say going against all odds, is it because they will be cut off if otherwise, if they went otherwise to what the families wanted or what the parents would want for their son? It could be a number of things. Yeah. It could be like, you know, 
the woman is not from like a respectful family. She yeah. doesn't share the same norms and values. She's not of the same culture. She's not of the same ilk. Mm. She's not. Of, it could be a number of things. Yeah. It could be even as like basic that it has nothing to do with a woman. And like you were, we told you from a young age, you were going to marry your third cousin. And like, that was it. Mm-hmm. Mm. You know, it could be a number of reasons. Right. But it's not to say that like, it is not uncommon. Yeah. For people to be in these situations situations and circumstances where like they find their partners like magically either married or getting married out of the blue um, or like engaged the entire time they're in a relationship to another person mm. is like it's a little bit of like a coincidence that this happens like so often right. that you can't it can't go on like ignored you know noticed yeah mm-hmm. how how about you how is like your dating life so non-existent. far yeah non-existent yeah. <laughs> but i but i think like that's fine i just you know i think a lot of the times like people and it's funny because whenever i do these like live streams or i have these conversations with people on like social media the first one's just like are you married yeah you married yeah and i was like no not married why are you no married why are you no married and and to me i'm just like it takes us like my personality is quite disagreeable. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not, I'm not a very agreeable person. Like mm-hmm. I tend to like follow the beat of my own drum and right. I tend to be very quite like assertive and I harbor a lot of masculine um, energy Gee. and masculine temperaments. And so when you are in a community where like this idea of like masculine temperament and characteristics is already something that mm. is like unstable. Yes. When you have somebody like me, it's like, you know, the first thing that, like, most men will say is, like, she's a lot. Mm. Like, you know, and it's like, well, you know, yeah. if I'm a lot, then maybe, like, you know, you're the problem. Yes. So, you're not um, for me. <laughs> yeah, and I'm fine. I'm fine yeah. just, like, being on my own, existing as I am. And if the time comes, the time comes. And yeah. if it doesn't, it doesn't. You're okay with that. Yeah. 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 I'm not going to, like, cry myself to sleep at night. So. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of things going on for you. And one of them is the Letters Project, which you started on your own or are you in partnership with someone like how did that start oh, and maybe tell journey. us what the letters project is for sure, yeah sure, sure, sure. let me like adjust this headpiece <laughs> um so the letters project started in the at the end of 2017 i mean the beginning the early stages of 2017 when i was in london and Instagram had introduced Instagram stories. Mm -hmm. And so I was using it as a platform to get into conversations about social discourse, society, identity, Mm -hmm. culture, Mm -hmm. things that I'm really interested in. And what I noticed is that a lot of the times I would post these like kind of open-ended questions that people would feel compelled to provide their own anecdotal references to. Right. And anytime I, and then I would get into conversations with them in the DMs and be like, oh yeah, it's crazy. Or like, I really align with what you say. Or like, I really don't align with what you say. Mm. And I would find those really interesting that I was like, oh, can I share these stories? And they'd be like, yeah, sure, but block my name out. So I started to do that and people became more interested in the the social discourse that was happening after I would be posing these questions, mm-hmm. more so than the actual conversation at hand. Okay. So then I created a highlights on on my personal page. And then I was like, I think this is getting big because I would just like, eventually they'd be get like, they'd get deleted or I'd be like, oh, whatever. People like, where was the story that like you, that was about this, you know, woman who had the same kind of experiences blah, blah, blah. and I'd be like, oh, okay, well, you know, here it is. And so I, um, I created its own page mm-hmm. and then I bought the domain mm-hmm. and, um, and I just started this like account where basically you could just filter in the letters 
um, stories of your own experiences but whilst remaining anonymous right. yeah. and respecting the integrity of the story rather than the person right. that's associated mm-hmm. to it. So it like it diminishes the the shame, the, the shame that's associated right, right, to right, it. Right. And then it started getting a lot of traction. It was like published on a lot of different forums. Um, it boomed. It started like getting reposted. There was a story that really kind of took off. It was one person wrote a half Emirati story, but then there was another one about a woman losing her virginity um, uh, like when she got married and like mm. how traumatic it was for her knowing that she was like every single man out there to her, including like uncles and brothers and even her father was like, hey, but like you don't look at men, you don't do this, to having a man like have access to her entire body. Yeah. On like, in like a flip of a switch. Wow. Such a stark difference so, from, yeah. Yeah, so she, she wrote a story about that and then that got picked up by a Lebanese feminist website mm. and then that filtered in like 20,000 likes like that wow. and then like followers and then just kept going and going and going. Right. I mean, I've seen some intense stories and She there. was, yeah, you were reading out one to me yesterday yeah. and I was like, wow. Like a lot of people, I think they feel more comfortable knowing that, okay, this is like a sort of therapy for me since I'm still being kept anonymous, but I really want to share my story and see how other people even react to react yeah. to it because it gets a lot of comments as well and conversations between people within the comment section actually you can you can literally see how many people are actually either offering advice to that anonymous anonymous person or even just saying look i'm with you well yeah, wishes i feel the yeah. same i'm you know you're not alone and i think that's important for people to understand that whatever they're going through Definitely. But you have access to these people, right? Or when they submit it, it's already anonymous. It's or... already anonymous. Because okay. what happens is, um, and people say, you know, like, oh, is it really anonymous? Mm. Yeah. It's mm. very, it's, it's, it's the most anonymous that you can get. Yeah. Because what happens is, is that you submit to this forum um, that downloads it as a random email, but the email does not request any details personal email or anything right and it gets downloaded as like a word document okay so it's not even like a pdf or a word document and then that gets embedded into an indesign file that gets exported as a jpeg so even the 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 literary trail of the words is embedded into an image so it's untraceable right so then it's like the digital trail is completely lost right and also the um the way in which it's structured is that not all the letters will be sub- uh, uploaded. Mm-hmm. It goes through like a filtration system. Um, and then also they are uploaded at different times. So you might have submitted a letter in the morning and then it might get submitted two, three weeks later. Right. Um, so it's okay. it's completely flexible Yeah. Uh, in that regard. Yeah. But what if there's a story like which you get, which is really, really touchy and you really want to help out this person. So how do you get, like, how do you find a way to reach back out to this person or... So is there are there ways you can do that? Yes and no. So um, sometimes, and this is n- not very often, but sometimes the person who wrote the letter will reach out mm. and say like, look, it was me that wrote the letter. Mm. And, you know, if you know anyone that can help. So a lot of the times right. when we have these really kind of like hard hitting letters yeah. that are very um, distressing, and they need legal advice, I will connect them with a lawyer or I okay, will connect them nice. with somebody who is, you know, who might be um, well-versed in therapy or know people of that of that sort of um, demographic. And um, so it does, like, there's been a lot of stories that have really 
like people don't even realize like some of the stories that get uploaded like uh and this this happened recently which was like very very intense but there was a story about a a girl who was being starved by her mother and she was in a she was locked in a room and she had access to i think the maid's phone and was and decided to upload a story um and then what happened was the person that got involved or who knew of this girl um said that like this this case had been stuck and pending with the courts for three years oh gosh and when the letters project released it the head of like the children's protective agency saw it and was like in saudi arabia at the time and called the the lawyer who had been connected Mm -hmm. and said this has been in the court case for three years it's getting moved now what do you need tell me now. Wow. wow and so it's like the power of the letters project is a lot bigger than people think it is that's right. um, amazing yeah and yeah we've had a lot of situations people being able to um like there was a girl who like couldn't get her degree because she did not have citizenship and there was no documentation to allow her to get and she managed to call someone who's it people are really wow. helpful and yeah there's a lot of stories yeah a lot of success stories and you see that you see that in the comment section it actually makes me happy to you know hear of these stories that people are very much willing to help definitely like, sometimes people have fallen can... in love as well on the letters project what? what yeah i've had stories of people who started dating on the letters project because they started commenting on each other's oh posts. my gosh and then i've had people who have made friendship groups and they have gatherings about the Let's Project and they sit and they like talk about Like meetups and yeah. everything? Oh, yeah. cool. So there's like, I mean, I'm so not involved nice. in them, but like yeah. they, they have them and they tell me. It um, ran on its own. Yeah. Like, that, that, that's amazing. It's like the comments is like Jamera Beach Road. It's like, like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's just like, I'll see you there <laughs> in my infinity. I'll honk. <laughs> yeah, and I'll throw in my number. But, exactly. But, I mean, this has been like a lot of stories and, and um, I think the one that I got, like, like there's so many throughout the years that have been like really touching but um like one that like really is like so like impactful is that like and like i, I could get emotional talking about it and i probably mm. will because i'm such a sensitive person but <laughs> there was this one guy who said like um he i, I met him in bahrain mm. and he was on a table and i had been quite private about being the owner of the lettuce project for a lot of time because i received a lot of death threats i received a lot of like mm. issues in, in the background mm. And then there was this guy that I'd met at dinner in, in Bahrain. And we were on this large table. There was about 15, 20 people. And I was sitting and talking to a friend. And he was a couple of seats down. And he was talking to one of my friends. And then I heard blah, 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 Letters Project. But I was still talking to my friend. But I was in earshot. And then my friend said, um, my friend said, oh, like, do you know, like, Sarah is like the founder of the Letters Project. Mm. And he's like, wait, what? And she's like, yeah, yeah, she's the founder. And then she goes, Sarah. And I go, like, yeah. And she goes, she's like this guy like you know reads the letter he's just talking about the letters project and i'm like oh really crazy and he's like are you the founder and i was like yeah and so he gets up from the seat and like runs all down past this massive long table and runs to me and like grabs my hands and he's like shaking with his hands and then i was just like i was like you know like oh okay and he was just like he was like oh my god he's like the letters project he's like you're the owner oh my god oh my god oh my god and i was like "Yeah, yeah yeah and he was like the letters project saved my life oh and like huh, yeah emotional but yeah. seriously he was like i was gonna like end my life and oh, like bless. it saved it saved my life mm. and i was like 
I just, I didn't know what to say. Like, mm. I was so moved. I was so like emotional about it. But it was like, he was like, I never realized how alone I was. And then I realized like from reading those letters that I'm not alone, that mm. there's people out there just like me. And like, thank you so much for doing what you could do. And mm. I was just like, <laughs> yeah. like, you know, and I was just like, it was a lot. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> that's a lot to take in. Yeah. I mean, as I mentioned earlier, like people st- like come into these comments and just say one word, like I'm with you. And for someone who anonymously sent something that might be such a burden to them, as you said, someone who might be thinking of ending their life and yeah. seeing people comment that way, being able to connect to someone that is huge. So like, thank you as well for starting this all. whole project. Like, not at all. I'm sure not just the people who have come forth and said, you know, my life, you affected my mm-hmm. life in such a positive way, but there are a lot more of other people who I just stumbled upon it. Like when I saw you, so for those who are listening, follow the Letters Project. It's such an amazing project. And thank you for starting that. Like, w- what is next? What is next for you? So I was debating for the longest time to start a podcast. <laughs> Interestingly enough, we're yes, on a podcast. Yes. But, um, but I think that like, it's one of those situations where these types of conversations are, they exist me sort of being the founder of the letters project they exist outside of me they have nothing to do with me i Mm. i am just merely this facilitator and i feel like the second that i bring sort of my voice into the narrative it starts to make it more personal and then there is a face to the conversation Mm -hmm. which i think you know for the longest time i um i i took a step back because i as I said, I received a lot of backlash yeah. for being the the founder of the Lattice Project, and I had been on se- several podcasts where I'm like, "Can you just not say that I'm the founder of the mm. Lattice Project?" Um, because I just need to protect my safety. Like, I had people being like, "I know where you live. Like, if if I ever come across you, you got to look over your shoulder. Like, I'd knock you out. Like that kind of stuff." Like, no, yeah. but I'm surprised as to how something good like that can get you death threats. Like, is there like oh? the person who sent you an anonymous letter was talking about me is it something like that no i think it was just that people don't like change and they found especially at the early stages of the letters project like now it's different because if you think about it in in just like as simple as it uh, as simple as the the conversation kind of goes you are setting the tone for what is going to be normalized in mm. the public sphere ah. and the court of public opinion is sometimes not ready for it right so, right 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 um i mean when the letters project in 2017 could you imagine the conversations we're having now about like feminism and all that kind of stuff however you want to phrase it back in 2017 yeah pre uh black lives matter pre me too pre all of that yeah it wasn't it's not this it's not received the same way as it is now right and i think that when we were talking about like virginity and shame mm. and toxic masculinity back then, it was like, there was a lot of people that got really uncomfortable with the conversations. Yeah. And also like, who were you being like an Emirati person, like re- representing this? Have you no shame? Yeah. And allowing yeah. this. Yeah. Okay, so I think okay, that, okay, so okay. I was like, oh, but yeah yeah let everyone chill for yeah. like two minutes and then yeah and i think okay, it's okay. because you are half emirati that people are bothered by it like how can an arab woman allow to have a platform and open for up these other people to talk about right? things that are happening it's yeah. not 
it's not like you're talking about things that are not real. Mm-hmm. These are true stories. But as you said, people were not ready. People are, I guess, still not yeah, ready. Still get triggered. No, but yeah. even in the Middle East, it, it's not the best place right now as well. Like therapy is still a, a ta- not a taboo topic, but they're like, just be a man, man. Mm, like, yeah. Brush it on there. Like, but still, a lot of men are hurting because of this because they feel like, oh, if I if I start talking about the sensitive subject or like me being depressed and I, then I'll be like called a pussy or a baby mm. or something like that. So I think so. But I think also what's really interesting is that we've had a lot of Emirati men, Khaliji men, Arab men talk about their emotions and their sensitivities on the platform as well. Mm-hmm. Like they they have also come forward and spoken about their struggles, their issues with like self-identification their ability to like unleash their vulnerable side uh-huh. so it does it does happen yeah but i think what people are more interested in is first of all that this com- these types of conversations exist and also like what can we do to fix it so mm-hmm. i think there was a story that happened i'd like to say like three years ago how we do it for, for time are we good yeah, 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 yeah we're yeah. good we're good um there was a story that happened about like three years ago where there was a father who had passed, whose whose wife had passed away, mm. and he was writing a letter to talk about his experience of trying to raise his daughter, who really loves pilots and loves planes, um, and try and throw her a birthday party because the last time, the last person who threw her her birthday party was her mother, mm-hmm. and then now her mother's passed. He was really struggling, and he's like, "Look, I don't know the first thing about raising a daughter. Like, mm. yeah." I don't know, like, help me because mm-hmm. I, my, my wife was the one who was raising my daughter. And like, I've realized through the course of the, this past year that like, I know like nothing, nothing. about raising uh, a child. And so I'm asking you guys' advice on like, what should I get for her for her birthday? Should I make it a theme, like a pilot theme, like that kind of stuff. And as soon as the letter went up, Emirates got in contact with me Oh my god! Um, like Itihad, like the like m- the like Marcom's representative from Itihad got in contact with me about, I would say easily like 20, 25 pilots got in contact with me being like, do you want me to come and meet her? She loves pilots. I'll be there. Bakeries were offering free cakes. Oh my god! Catering surfaces were offering free food. Like people, people like, I want to send gifts to this person. Beautiful. Yeah. It was like, so there is a lot of good that comes out of it. Yeah. Even if it is a dire or like sad and and distressing story mm. there is always good that comes out of it yeah and with that girl who i told you that 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 had suffered from from being starved by her like sociopathic mother mm. um she um we were posting also certain um addresses to be able to uh get in contact with somebody who was going to be like the the liaison between her and mm-hmm. other people to protect her identity and people were sending like hundreds and hundreds like even thousands of dirhams worth of food um like uh wow. you know, obviously she's a girl so like you know you know sanitary pads uh shampoo conditioner some people were buying her clothes so like people were sending and doing things and and the amazing thing about that is that like you know like if you're going to invest in in helping somebody you know where your money is going and mm. you're making you're 
you're gearing it towards a good cause. Yeah. Right. And so it's just bringing out the best in people, I think, even if it's a sad circumstance. Yeah. And I think the good far outweighs whatever the negative connotation that other people are not ready to just read. Yeah. And and it's such an amazing project. As you said, it reaches thousands of people. And I think it just continues that way. Like, how are you being able to manage that whole thing Girl. with your life with everything else you know it's, it's <laughs> funny you say that because a lot of people ask me that same question they're like when do you have a life i'm like i don't mm. and that's probably why it's great to be single <laughs> yeah. but like um yeah i do most of the stuff i mean with the letters project it's divided amongst uh it used to be amongst 11 people to share and mess up the um the uh instagram algorithm Mm. because what happened was like obviously i was posting in london originally so i was getting like a lot of people from from london from france from whatever and then the second i moved back to the uae it became a very gcc centric um platform okay so when people are like the latest project is emirati based and i was like no it's actually (laughs) not but you know and then so we're like you know what let's lean into it so i have had people in the states i have people in brussels i have people in london so they post like nice. so that the algorithm can be like reached more across the world. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But it doesn't really help. It, it's still very like very GCC centric. GCC centric. Mm. Yeah. But why don't you like branch out into different Instagram handles and like like so there's that uh, humans of Bombay. So then you can put humans of I mean yeah. like letters, letters project, project and like or divide by continent. I don't know how it will work. But. Yeah. Mm-hmm. These More are just my work two for senses. her. Yeah, I know. Yeah. And the people involved. Yeah. <laughs> but it is it is interesting. And like yeah. we have like oh, I think it's Oh no. Okay. No! What happened? Did it just stop? Yeah. It's okay. We can we can continue. Even without the okay. Yeah, so we can just put the okay. thumbnail in between. What um program is that? Um Canon. I think. It's because... Imagine it didn't save. Yeah. No, it will. It will. At least the first one did, so... (laughs) (laughs) It's okay, we can redo the whole thing. It's fine. (laughs) So, I have never met you, so let's have this go. It's the battery pack. We just put a new battery in, and then we can... Thanks for spotting that. Who would have any... Because I don't really sh- stare at the screen, but like I was just doing that and I was like, there's something on the screen. <laughs> it looks different. Oh, I'll help you. So when are you guys getting married? January. January. Oh, wow. Yeah. How do you feel? Great. Excited, actually. Uh, but it's starting to get a little bit stressful, if I'm being honest. I know yes, you're getting married just... here or are you... In the Philippines. <gasps> Fun. Yeah, so... Initially, we thought about getting married in Goa because that's where his father is from, mm-hmm. um, and it's closer here. It's just three, uh, three hours, hours away. Did you answer my phone? I think Gibson was calling. Um, but then we couldn't find like wedding suppliers that I'm happy with. I used to be a wedding photographer, mm-hmm. and so I'm very particular with like the photography, the look yes. and feel of the wedding. And I know of a lot of wedding suppliers in the Philippines because that's where uh, when I was in college in the Philippines. I was doing wedding photography, so I was exposed to a lot of other um, wedding providers, suppliers. Mm-hmm. I was like, you know what? Let's just do it in the Philippines. 
Philippines. Yeah. And Where are you doing it? Uh, so it's in a place called Tagaytay, which is like three hours, two hours away from Manila, uh, okay. the main city. And where's your mom from? My mom's in from the north side, which is Subic. It's okay. like four hours north of Manila. Mm -hmm. The place that we're going to be married in is two hours south of Manila. Okay. So it's further away from where everyone is because I want to be away from everyone. Yeah. <laughs> or else it's going to be a whole big-ass wedding which we're trying to avoid. Imagine Lebanese, Indian, Filipino all together. Mm -hmm. So everyone's trying to chime in with and like this and like that. Mm -hmm. um, but we're like, no, we just want to stick to just 100 people, which that's what's stressing us out because we're above that for now. Mm -hmm. um, is he coming? Yeah. Just we'll just yeah. Um, Who did you say? The Gibson's delivery guy. Oh, right. Yeah. Like I said something <laughs> else. I was like, oh. <laughs> Okay, um, so yeah, Back so that's what's stressing again. us out, the amount of people on our wedding day. What was, the, what was the last thing we were talking about? The letters project and where it was going? Yeah, and then me giving advice about it going to different continents yeah. and then... And then we can start from, we can start for, from what's next. Okay, sure. Of, okay. No, I just record that again. <laughs> okay. Up? I'll start with you were talking about the podcast. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you were talking about a podcast, which is what's next for the Letters Project. Why not? Yeah, why not? Yeah. But I think um, what we were talking about last is like, when do I have the time to do all of this? <laughs> um, and the truth of the matter is because I think just being a single Pringle helps. Yeah. Drastically. Um, I've always been like a Jane of all trades and a master of none. Mm. Um and also just like very much like a multi-hyphenated person. And I think that that generally speaking within the arts and culture scene is quite frowned upon because it's like if you are a Jane of all trades and a master of none, then you don't have something that specifically represents and embodies you. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, you know, an artist and a writer and a researcher. And also I have the, you know, the Letters Project and I do this and I do that. And so I do so many different things. And I just, for the longest time... Um, uh, have recognized that this is something that people tend to feel as, 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 as too much of like a general way of existence. Mm. Whilst I think it's like very much a, a great way to exist in like my understanding of life. Yeah. So I very much lean into it. And I, so I think with the Letters Project, like, yes, a podcast can come. Yeah. And I'm still trying to figure out whether or not or not I want to assign a voice to it mm. but I think that for the time being it, it can exist as it is and we will see kind of where it goes in terms of its exposure its reach um it's getting to a stage now we're almost at I mean like I think it's like 27 or 28,000 followers um and it's happened organically since yeah. 2017 mm -hmm. so I think that you know, and I always say this to people. I have a few friends who work in like social media and like influencing and stuff. And then he was like, yeah, you know, like, you know, 20 something thousand followers is like everyone has that. I'm like, yeah, but the conversion ratings where like it's real followers. Exactly. It's not, like, followers. Real likes, yeah. real comments, like yeah. real interaction. Like if Instagram ever decides to purge all accounts, at least yours will stay there. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> but interestingly, interestingly enough, a lot of people follow it from like their alternative accounts. Which I find mm. very strange. Like, it's like, you'll see a lot of people who comment and then it's like, it's always like 
37 underscore like Taurus five is commenting right. and like, you know, Fatima underscore like DBX three, two, seven, you know, right. it's, it's never like, you know, like John Smith. Like, yeah. Like, so do you think it's because they're also trying to be anonymous yeah. themselves yeah, yeah, because definitely. of the comments that they're leaving? Definitely. Yeah. And I, and I also think that a lot of people who write the letters as well, like this is why it's quite, it's quite difficult to manage in the sense that for a while, the Letters Project was, it has its uh, its ebbs and flows. Mm. And when it's um, depressing into a cycle where it becomes too um, self-serving. When it comes to self-serving is when people feel like having a letter on the Letters Project is for novelty value. Mm. And they want to just have their five minutes of fame for whatever oh, reason. And right. there was somebody okay. recently that did that for like, a hot minute and it was like you're not doing this on that platform oh, sorry wow. honey it's not but how can you tell if it's like a fake story or just someone just trying to get the attention so uh the person that wrote a letter um it was a very well written letter mm. and then he decided to go to like every tom dick and harry including myself including a bunch of people and say like by the way i wrote this by the way i wrote but, but guys uh, it was me that's me it was me guys it was all <laughs> like me. he reposted it yeah <laughs> like oh, my he, story and then he decided to like start an account and then just filter in all of the followers from the letters project oh, to his account so he was using it for promotional value right and that is against the rules you can't do something that is self-serving that benefits you right and because then it defeats the purpose of yeah. the idea of it being anonymous and then he just went on like a rampage of like posting so many letters and like obviously people are not illiterate like mm. if you read something you understand it in the style of the person who's writing it yeah um and he was using the same words and phrases so it was very clear it was of the same writer and so me and like a bunch of people were just like yep yeah, no this is not happening so yeah. you can't tolerate that it's cool that you then... can flag it as well yeah yeah and or else it's gonna it, continue okay. yeah so people send comment sections like people will send a message being like this person is is uh, is breaking the rules like they they're on it like, wow. like the, the you have your own police basically yeah. on your instagram yeah, That's yeah, awesome. yeah it's and, and and the tlp members mm. are like very protective yeah That's good. like yeah. like they want to keep that integrity of the page yeah. absolutely and they're like this is not part of the rules you need to visit it and i was like okay i love it it's a whole makes community. your job easier as well. <laughs> True. yeah it's a whole community by itself yeah. Yeah. amazing um i could just like visualize like the podcast or like a mini series that sort of stems out of this whole letters project but of course as you said it defeats the purpose of having that anon like anonymous feel to it but if people are willing to come forth and know talk about their story even more so then mm-hmm. i think that's gonna be great hopefully yeah. and i think i'm gonna set up uh like not necessarily a meet and greet but definitely a gathering for yeah. people who are interested in having conversations i did have those on um clubhouse mm. okay. and i had a zoom session during covid as well where i was hosting like conversations and that was quite fun um so yeah i mean like the the world is the oyster when it comes to the letters right. project and to where the half emirati research will go as well like that's another yes another, another project mm-hmm. yeah yeah girl i don't know where you get the time to do all of these things i, I ask myself that <laughs> all the time yeah. yeah we know we actually do something somewhat similar because in few of our podcasts we have this google forms where we can where we ask people to submit like um, a question or some advice that they need 
help answering as well and we also give them a chance to give it yeah. anonymously mm-hmm. but we also get to see it yeah so we know who's sending it to us but we're like okay if you want us to keep it anonymous we can do that and we can just talk about it on the podcast but we actually haven't done one in a while it's been a while which we have to actually we haven't go really through. received yeah. a lot so far yeah. but yeah <laughs> It'll come. It'll it come. it will our, come, yeah. 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 So we call it our handy advice segment. But yeah, it's cool because then you get to see like, you know, you get to hear these stories from everyone else and you get to put a little bit of your spin or opinion to it, which is... Exactly. It might not work for everyone, but yeah, at least we're trying. Which yeah. is what I feel would work for you because your TikToks and your reels, like you're so eloquent in the way that you voice out your opinion. You. So I think it's really going to work. So I can't wait for that. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Let's see how it goes. (laughs) So can you just let our listeners know where can they find you? Sure. I mean, there's just too many platforms to say. (laughs) Letters Project? (laughs) The Letters Project. Um, So it's the lettersproject.co website where you can submit your letters uh, anonymously. Please read the description, the disclaimer, the manifesto, just to make sure that you're Mm -hmm. on the same page um, before submitting. And there's no guarantee that the letter will be um, approved or not. Mm-hmm. Um, you can also find the Instagram account is at the Letters Project, and then my personal account, which is Sarah Alagruby. Yes, so and also on TikTok, so. on Instagram, TikTok, all of her reels. Yeah. Watch them, listen to her opinion of Khaliji men and Khaliji culture. Yes, yeah, stay updated in case there's ever a podcast, guys. Yeah, yes. stay tuned, follow. And follow if that her, ever so. happens, we're gonna push push it up onto our social platforms yes, as, as well. well. Of course. Amazing. So thank you so much for thank your time. You. Thank you for being, being here. We know here. you're quite busy and you're beat. No, it's okay. I don't know if I should say it, but thank <laughs> you for making the time today. Of and course, definitely. And of course, like sharing this on the Less Project as well, on our platforms as well. But like, thank, thank you. you so much. And this has been really fun. And yes. Yeah. Thank you so much. And that's it. Thanks, guys. <laughs> that's <laughs> it. Bye. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Thank you, Sarah. Thank you for that, having me. I, I have to say that's one of my favorite podcast episodes so far. Amazing.